Well, good morning, Hope. Good morning. Well, in this season of our church family, um, beginning of the year, actually, we sensed that God was calling us to go deeper into praying and to prayer. And so we started a series of messages that we're calling Pray Like Jesus, where we are going through the Lord's Prayer, which is fairly familiar to many folks, uh, but we're going through it line by line, sometimes spending a couple weeks on a line, sometimes just one. But, but our heart is the same heart the disciples had when they said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And he used that prayer to teach them to pray. Now, I got to tell you about my interesting week, um, but let me start it this way. When I preach through like series or topics, this is also a place that I'm on like the journey as well, trying to learn. So I'm not just spouting kind of knowledge that I've gained you know, from books or seminary or other things. I also, besides the training that I've done, I want to speak from a place of authenticity. Like I'm in this, we're in this together, right? I'm not seeing myself like up here as the expert. Uh, I'm not faking it. When I don't know, I don't know. I don't spout religious cliches. Um, And this week, it got really interesting because in my learning process and in our Pray Like Jesus series, the line of the prayer this week that... um, that uh, I had to live into, we'll call it, was this line from the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins for, as we, here we go, here's the hard part, as we forgive those who sin against us. <laughs> oh, yes, forgive us as we forgive others. Um, forgive me, Father, as I forgive others. Just camping out and slowing down on that. How how many of you um, would be surprised to know that sure enough, I came face to face with some painful situations in my own life while this passage has been ringing in my ears all week, right? Anybody surprised? Yay. Yeah, that was fun. That was really fun. It was kind of like, hey, hey, Doug, that long standing thing that you've forgiven over and over and over, well, here's an unexpected, we'll call it opportunity, again, right, to forgive. Again, um, is anybody surprised that that happened to me this week? Anyone surprised? No? Yeah, because it did, it did. And um, so here's, here's my uh, vow. I am never preaching on forgiveness again. So there you go. <laughs> Forget that. We're out. <laughs> and while I'm at it, I might as well dodge any future sermons on pride, generosity, resentment, idolatry, any of that stuff. Just forget it. I'm not doing it. I'm out. I'm out. Just kidding. Um, See, this Lord's Prayer thing is actually kind of an interesting prayer and a dangerous prayer, we said a couple weeks ago. And a couple weeks ago, it got real dangerous when we came to the line on the screen here where we pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, God, your will be done, which is also saying your kingdom, not mine, not ours, your way, your will, not mine, not ours. Kind of dangerous prayer to pray. And then the line that we reach today is also unsettling. Forgive us our sins, big word, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. That one's a doozy. This one that I'd kind of like to just sort of fly right past. Maybe that's why we say the Lord's Prayer really fast sometimes, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on us as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Whew. Done, right? And if we prayed that way or even just kind of 
blow through this prayer, and because it's familiar, we tend to blow through it, or I do anyway, um, then the words never really hit our ears and go to our hearts. If we don't thoughtfully dig into this line especially, we are tempted to blow right past it. See, Jesus is saying two things in this line of the prayer. Uh, Forgive the sins done by us, and as we forgive the sins done to us, and both of them are answered with forgiveness. Forgive as we forgive Oh boy. So let's stand together as we've been doing and say this prayer out loud together. We're not going to race through it. No auctioneer praying today. Like we mean it and thoughtfully. Ready? Here we go. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right. As you're seated, tell the person next to you, hey, you're getting the hang of this praying thing. Good job. Nicely done. Now, when you, uh, when you came in this, uh, this morning, you got a little Ziploc. If you need one of these, raise your hand up, and, and maybe somebody will run and get one for you. You got a little Ziploc, and inside that Ziploc is a, a pen and a little piece of paper with a hole punched in it and, and a wooden hook. And by the way, the reason it's a wooden hook is I thought if we are talking about forgiveness this week and we use metal hooks, those could turn into weapons. That's not a good thing. If you're mad at the person next to you, that wouldn't be any good. But we got the wooden hooks. And I've been actually using this, physically using this thing all week to help me with forgiveness in the situation that just came up for me. See, when somebody wrongs you, they're on the hook, right? They're on the hook, and it kind of feels good, right? When they were wrong, it kind of feels good to have them on the hook. Like, I'm mad. Uh, Somebody betrayed me. They are the ones that messed up. So now I'm going to hang them out there, and when we have them on the hook, we do. We kind of get just to, feels kind of nice to let them dangle right there, doesn't it? See, when somebody is on the hook after they have wronged us, we imagine that we are protecting ourselves from being hurt by them. We imagine that putting them on the hook and not forgiving them has given us some level of control over them that honestly feels kind of good to have them right there on the hook. And the way that this metaphor has been helpful for me is physically, I've been doing this quite a few times, is that forgiveness is like taking someone off the hook, right? It's taking them off the hook. Now, there's a little barb on the hook, which makes that tricky, doesn't it? But forgiveness, and that that goes deeper, right? (laughs) Forgiveness is like taking them off the hook. And so I've actually been praying this week, God, I forgive that person for that thing, again, I, I take them off the hook. Um, and it's a helpful, helpful metaphor for me. Um, and so the question that I have for us this morning that we just want to start with is, who is it that you have on the hook? Who do you need to forgive? Now, sometimes it's just minor forgiveness things, right? Sometimes it's not even people we know, right? Little minor everyday irritations um, in traffic, right? Uh, the idiot that cuts you off in traffic, right? Okay, 
forgive. Um, sometimes it's closer to home, like that really serious violation with that person that you live with that doesn't squeeze the toothpaste right. Anybody have that problem at their house? Anybody have that one? How about the, how about the toilet paper? They hang the toilet paper wrong. Does anybody have that? How many of you hang the toilet paper so it goes underneath? It, show hands, show hands. Good. Well done. Yes. Over, <laughs> over the top, right? Over the top, like a waterfall. Thank you, thank you. We don't have that problem in our house, but, but you know, I know that that's a thing for some people, so think of it this way, over the top like a waterfall. So, um, how many of you are like, I really don't care, yeah? How many of you are like, hey, if somebody in my house would just replace the toilet paper, I don't care how it goes on, right? Yeah, so these little minor irritating things, you know, dads, we like to get irritated when somebody doesn't turn the lights off. You know, my dad used to call me from the basement to come upstairs. Hey, Doug, come up here. Come up here. And I'm like, oh, put down what I'm doing. Come up all the way to the stairs. Hey, uh, we, you, you turned that light on. You need to turn that light off. Like, he's standing right next to it, right? Guess who does that now? I do that now. Yes. I have learned. He's trained me. Trained me well. These are little irritations that sometimes build up, and we really get irritated. But forgiveness is needed for the little minor things for us to just let it go so it doesn't build up. Because these are weird things that come up in marriage counseling for people. So it's important to let it go, to forgive, to let them off the hook. It can be little stuff, but sadly, oftentimes, it's stuff that's way bigger, right? It's stuff that's long-standing, much deeper. Um, maybe it was a wound inflicted on you. Maybe you were cheated by someone out of something. Maybe you were betrayed by a friend or a spouse uh, maybe you suffered abuse. Um, maybe, maybe there was a divorce. There are difficult, long-standing, deeper things. Um, and big stuff like that or small stuff, deeply painful things or just mildly irritating. In order for you and I to live in freedom, God knows that you and I have to forgive. We have to let others off the hook. We have to let them off the hook because when we don't forgive someone, when we don't let them off the hook, when we don't eventually let go of the resentment, eventually we find ourselves as the ones now who are hung on that hook because we are stuck and we are dangling there because we never forgave. See, when we won't move towards forgiveness, there's this little part of our heart that gets hung out there to dry that goes colder and colder and a piece of us might harden, resentment can kick in, and we can find ourselves consumed in our pain, and that's no way to live. And so we pray, our Father, forgive us our sins as we, the same way, right, that we forgive those who sin against us. See, Jesus knows what happens to the human heart when we don't forgive? He knows what happens. There's this powerful section of scripture in, in Matthew chapter 18 that we're going to spend a little time in. We'll have it up on the screen, but you can turn to it as well. Um, and we're going to start in verse 21, and we're going to go quite a ways, but we'll break it up a little bit here. But verse 21 is where we're going to start, and let me just set the scene with you for verse 21. It starts with uh, Jesus' disciple Peter. And Peter knows that the other rabbis in the day are, are teaching um, when, when somebody asks the question, how many times do we forgive someone? And this is, I'll put it up, we'll put it up on the screen. One prominent rabbi, actually many rabbis taught this. If a man commits a transgression, 
The first, the second, and the third time he is forgiven. The fourth time he is not. So Peter knows that teaching. He knows that's the common knowledge of the day. And he knows that Jesus has a a habit of upping the ante on whatever the Pharisees say you got to do. Jesus, no, it's much bigger, right? So Peter's like, oh, I'm really going to get this one right. Here we go. Ready? Peter knows that Jesus does this. And so in verse 21, he comes to Jesus. And basically, he's saying, somebody hurt me. If he asked me to forgive him, you know, my parentheses, not, not two or three times, but, but seven times. If you ask me seven times, do I forgive him? In verse 22, no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. 70 times seven. You math wizards here, really quick. The number is 490. Nicely done. That's a lot of times to forgive somebody. Unless you're married to me, and then you've already exceeded that in the five years that we've been together. But she's a saint. I don't expect that out of y'all. So, Now, some scholars uh, point out that this 70 times 7 thing is another way in that culture of saying to infinity. So it's, it's even more than 490 times. See, because God knows that we will hurt each other over and over and over and that we will need to forgive each other over and over and over. And our supply of forgiveness for others needs to be endless. It needs to be. This is how relationships work. We need forgiveness. You know, it seems like when it comes to friendships or families, somewhere in the back of our mind, we often think that if something goes wrong, like if one person hurts or offends someone else, if something goes wrong, then that friendship is over. But friends, if something goes wrong in a relationship, it's not over. If something goes wrong in a friendship, it's normal. It's normal. And forgiveness is what puts the broken pieces back together again. This is how God designed it, right? It's part of God's design, both for how he relates to us, no matter how many times we blow it and sin. He forgives, but he intends for us to have that same posture towards those around us as we forgive those who sin against us. That's how we receive the forgiveness and give it away. See, it's like God designed this um, ointment of forgiveness uh, into this organism of relationship. You got to have forgiveness if you're going to have relationship. We got to have it. We have to practice it, right? Now, back to uh, Matthew 18 here. 70 times Seven, you gotta forgive, you gotta forgive infinitely. I mean, right? Now, immediately, next verse, verse 23, Jesus tells a very difficult and interesting parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, and by the way, the kingdom of heaven, remember, is another way of saying this is the way that it works in God's realm, in his story, in his way. That's the kingdom of heaven. Like, that's how it works in his realm. Ready? Here we go. Kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, the literal translation here is owed him 10,000 talents is how they measured, not as in the things you're good at. 10,000 talents was a sum of money. Now, that's 10,000 talents. Okay, Um, one talent is 20 years of a day laborer's wage, like somebody kind of minimum wage, 20 years of their income. One talent, right? So this is 10,000 talents. It's like 20,000 years of wages, okay? Um, No, I'm sorry, 200,000 years of wages. 
200,000 years of wages. In our terminology, if we did the math and converted it, uh, one, one uh, biblical scholar said, and this was 10 years ago, uh, said it was over $7 billion. Imagine it's even more now, right? He owes $7 billion. The people in Jesus' day, they, they, could, they had no idea. They, that's, they couldn't even fathom it, and neither can I. Since, verse 25, he was not able to pay the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all they had be sold to repay the debt, which was very common, by the way, back then. That was just what you do. It was actually uh, a version of that was done in England and sometimes in the U.S. as well. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, right. Seven. Okay. Be paid. Yeah, okay. Verse 27. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. That sounds like amazing grace. <laughs> wow. Verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Now, the NIV, which I think does a great job translating most of the time, um, but the footnote, some of you have a footnote that says a few dollars. Now, it's, the math works out to about $15,000. So that's still a lot, right? $15,000 is still a lot. But again, compare that to $7 billion. Like the scale on it is just insane, right? That'd be like saying, um, I owe the, the, the king um, that block of houses. I owe it to him and he forgave me. But you owed me a six-pack of Coca-Cola and I, I went after you for it. I mean, it's, that's the scale of it. Um, it it's just it's insane, right? So next verse here, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Verse 29, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay his debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called that servant back in, you wicked Servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And I can just imagine, I kind of hear the heart of the master here, and I wonder if he's saying, listen, hey, dude, you didn't get it at all, did you? Like, if you thought that my grace meant that I was a fuzzy-minded, incompetent, inattentive master who would let you get away with whatever you wanted, you were badly mistaken. You were shown forgiveness, but you would not offer it. You were granted mercy, but you would not give it. You were, you were showered with grace, but you would not extend it. You were offered the economy of love, but you have chosen the economy of vengeance. Well, then... Have it your way. Have it your way. And let's all read out loud what Jesus says in the next verse. This, together, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Hey, guys, we're, that, well, that's a harder one to read out loud, isn't it? The enthusiasm level went down just a little. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. That's why I needed you to read it with me, right? Um, and I have to tell you, this last verse has always been so troubling for me. Because, I mean, is Jesus really saying that if we've, we who have been forgiven so much just turn around and we put other people on the hook? After we've been forgiven, then we put other people on the hook. 
and refuse to forgive them that that's how the father is going to treat us? If we put them on the hook and refuse to take them off, he's going to do that to us? I mean, come on, that doesn't sound like the grace of God that some of us are hoping for. And it actually gets worse, right? The phrase that he uses at the end there where he says, forgive from your heart? I mean, come on, I'm like, holy smokes, from my heart? I was hoping I'd just say the right magical words. I'll say, fine, I forgive them, and we'd be done with it. What is this forgive from the heart business? Wow. Listen, there has to be some loophole, doesn't there? Some explanation? So let's look at another verse. Let's go back to the verse that started this whole thing off in Matthew 6. Um, Got this whole talk rolling from the Lord's Prayer. Let's read that again. Forgive our sins as, oh no, as we forgive those who sin against us. Ah, That little two-letter word is kind of scary. As, right? Forgive me, God, just like, just as I forgive the people who hurt me. In fact, I knew... I think Jesus knew we could, we could probably blow past that. So if you read to the ends of the Lord's Prayer and you go to the next verse, verse 14, as Jesus continues teaching, it's like he put a little P.S. on the Lord's Prayer uh, to say, P.S., I'm serious about this. Verse 14, Jesus says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you for- refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's kind of sobering, isn't it? And so sometimes people will say, okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. But what did Jesus actually mean by that? Well, I think he means if you do not forgive others of their sins, that your heavenly Father won't forgive your sins, (laughs) right? See, Jesus is actually pretty good at saying what he actually means. And again, this sounds really strong, which is why we're going to take at least another week and talk about this. So, um, but, but, I think that part of the reason that Jesus is so strong about this and he's really direct, this God of love and grace who loves you as you are and forgives you and accepts you and me, um, he's really direct though because he knows that we humans are very good at finding wiggle room to get around the very thing that we know we need to do, but we're going to find a way around it, right? Forgive, well, it's important to forgive. Yeah, 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 but she did this, right? Oh, no, no, I know, yeah, forgiveness is great. It's wonderful. Oh, man, I want to forgive, but, 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 but he (laughs) did that. I mean, right? Or, okay, yeah, I forgive them, but I'm still writing them out of my life. Now, by the way, sometimes you need to do that if there are abuse situations going on. But some of us write people out of our lives and cut them off when the mechanism of relationship includes forgiveness and we just don't want to do it. And I include myself in this because I can rationalize my way around forgiving so easily. And we look at this parable here that we just read. The king forgives this insanely imaginable amount of money, just poof, wipes the debt away. The first servant could never have paid him back, even saying, oh, please, give me time, be patient. Like, there's no way, right? And it's an outlandish sum of money that Jesus throws out there. And his disciples knew that there were not enough lifetimes for any servants, any noble person even, to ever pay back that kind of debt. In fact, um, 
The fact that the servant <laughs> said, you know, be patient, I'll pay you back, shows that this guy actually has no grasp of how big and impossible his debt was. But pay it back? No way. And you know, I wonder, as I read that, how often I do that as well. How do I do that, right? I, I'm like, oh God, please be patient, right? How, how quickly do I, after I've been forgiven, how quickly do I forget that I too owed a debt I could not pay? There was nothing I could do but lean into the grace of God and receive for free what I could have never, ever earned myself. And I rejoice when I get that grace and that forgiveness, but how quickly I flip around after being forgiven of the sins done by me, I turn around and put somebody else on the hook for what they did to me. And I think this might be a caution for us to pay attention to out of this story because when I forget, and I do forget, how badly I needed and continue to need the grace of God, when I get in that place, it's going to be really hard for me to allow forgiveness to flow from me to that person who hurt me. Now, I want to say a word about this again because these words of Jesus sometimes feel really harsh. And we are a church that is looking for grace and identity and reading the scripture with a lens that, that talks through a lot of this stuff. And so Jesus' words in this passage, hey, here's what's going to happen to you, right? You better forgive, right? They might seem kind of harsh or demanding or pushy, maybe even a little scary. And I think that a thought from Dallas Willard, which applies to this and so many other scriptures that we go, what? Right? I think this Dallas Willard thought is helpful. Jesus' teachings are not random commands that we must obey or else. But they are, as Dallas Willard says, they are mere observations about how life actually works. They simply state how things are. So, for example, God doesn't say, do not gossip or I will punish you. <laughs> right? We might hear that. He doesn't say that. He, he says, ah. Oh, don't gossip. Like his heart for us is don't gossip because it will wreck your relationships. Um, God doesn't say, don't be greedy or I will smite you. No, he says, don't be greedy because it will wither your heart and it, it will suck the, the joy right out of your life because he wants life for us. And which brings us back to this parable of the unmerciful merciful servant. Maybe, maybe God is... Not saying, if you don't forgive others, I will get angry and have you tortured. But maybe what's a way to read this, and I'm just putting this option in front of us, is that the kingdom of God is about grace, forgiveness, and second chances. We see that all over the story of scripture, don't we? Grace, forgiveness, second chances, that's what God's story is about. So don't let unforgiveness cut you off from the flow of grace, or you will choose, you will live a tortured life. You'll be torturing yourself. You'll be hanging yourself up on that hook. And if we are in unforgiveness, we, we block that stuff. And I kind of picture it like, um, like a dam out of a lake. If you've been out to Saguaro Lake and you get on the other side of Saguaro Lake, there's a dam that they release water into the Salt River every now and then just to keep it, keep it going. And I think of the water there like this giant lake of God's forgiveness 
And when they open up that dam, and when we open the forgiveness dam, which we do by forgiving others, then water just flows, right, from God to us. And we're able to let it flow down the river and, and give it away to everyone around us. But we get to choose to forgive or not forgive, right? We get to choose. And when I say, I'm not going to forgive that, I'm going to keep them on the hook. It's like I just shut the, the dam down tight. And so now there is no water that can get through to saturate or feed or nourish because I've just shut it off by not forgiving. C.S. Lewis says it this way, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. See, to be a Christian is to be a forgiver. It's a part of our identity. So we come to this line, forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And many translations, actually I looked and it's, it seemed like the majority of translations use the word uh, debts there. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And I know that some of you have debtors in your life who deserve to be on the hook. They deserve to be on the hook. No arguing that. Um, maybe it's your mom or your dad in some gut-wrenching, painful way from your life before or your life now. Maybe it's your husband or your wife who betrayed you. There was some terrible behavior and you have put them on the hook. It doesn't matter how long ago, but they're on the hook. Um, they owe you a debt. Maybe it's a son, maybe it's a daughter, maybe, maybe it's somebody who used to be one of your closest friends and you did life together, but they wronged you and now they're on the hook. Maybe it was somebody at work or a church that wounded you. Maybe it's somebody in here, right here in this room. And so what will you choose? Will you choose grace? Will you choose grace for them and for you? Because when we choose it for them, we are choosing it for us as well. We get to open up and let that flow happen. Now again, I just wanna, don't wanna be confusing here. This does not mean that you excuse or tolerate abuse. It may not, may not even mean reconciling. If somebody blatantly sins against you and refuses to treat you with honor and respect, you may not be able to reconcile that relationship, but you can start the forgiveness process regardless of what they do. You can do it without that. See, because when you forgive, you take them off the hook. And you forgive, you give up your right to punish them. You give up your right to make the debtor pay. You give up the right to hurt them back or even get even or to let everybody know about what they did to you, you bless them. You bless them, which means you wish them well before God. You bless them. And again, we're going to take at least another week in this because there's so much here. But I want us to get started this week in this. And friends, listen, I want you to know that as we start this forgiveness process, for many of us, you just need to remember God is with you. You're not alone in this. You're not alone. You're not alone. God is in it with you because he wants you to be healed and whole and free. So he's with you. Now for myself in this forgiveness thing that I'm dealing with um, this week, I've had, this is something I've had to bring to God on and off for years, and I ask for his help over and over. 
Like I have sometimes gone to counselors for some of the places that I feel stuck. Um, And just so you know, like sometimes, like this recent one, um, it's something that we've forgiven. I've forgiven, right? I've dealt with, but suddenly it sideswiped me again, and maybe some of you can relate. And again, I want to just say, listen, that's normal. That's just normal because, because sometimes with forgiveness, that hurt returns again and again and again, and we have to take him off the hook every time so it doesn't take root in our hearts. We have to forgive over and over and over. Forgiveness doesn't just, boom, resolve things immediately because we said the word, we, and, and because we want to forgive from the heart, we have to be honest about it. See, it can take time. And, and I'm sure you've probably experienced this too, right? You've, you've let somebody off the hook, you've done the hard work of forgiveness, and then before you know it, shoop, they're right back on the hook again, right? Well, when that happens, we start again, and again, and again. We do it over and over with God's help, with God's help. It's not something we can really do on our own. We do it with God's help. Shauna Nyquist explains that forgiveness is not a one-time event. It's a process, and that we all need help with it. Some of us, more than others, here's her wisdom. She says, forgiving my friend was like moving a piano all the way across the living room, then waking up the next morning, finding that it's back in the other corner, and I got to move it again. Every day I had to push that heavy piano all the way across the living room, even though I just did it the day before. It was like a full-time job forgiving her over and over with each new angry thought or bad conversation. But it was good work. And I don't like her metaphor here, by the way, but here we go. Like, uh, like how good it feels to shovel snow. Eh, okay. I hope I didn't ruin it. How good it feels to shovel snow or rake leaves in the cold air. I won't do that second service. Thanks for not laughing. Then We'll spare them. I love the last line here, then she says, and I keep letting her off the hook because when I do, I can breathe again. Well, that sounds like freedom, doesn't it? Sounds like freedom. So as the worship team comes, I want to invite you in just these next couple of minutes to enter into this forgiveness work with me. I want you to take out the Ziploc and and the, the card, the pen, Take your hook. And I'm going to ask a couple of questions about what starting the work of forgiveness might look like in each of our lives. And again, those of you who've been abused or have trauma, I'm not asking you to, all right, you need to do this. You need to push beyond something that you're emotionally ready to do. Again, some of this stuff takes help with somebody walking with you or a counselor, and that's okay. To get farther along in it, you're going to need some help with that if you've been through abuse. Um, This is not a pressure, it's not a demand. But I do believe that for all of us, all of us here, is every single one of us can start the forgiveness process right here. We can start here and continue um, this week, this month, this year. We continue it in our prayer life or with our small groups and, and if needed, with a counselor. But we can start it today. So here's the two questions first. And some of you are not gonna write this down on your hook because the person you take that is sitting right next to you and you know, Although now it's a tip-off, right? Oh, they didn't write any. I mean, right? Yeah, no. Um, some of you might want to do this intentionally later, but then really do it. But right now, I think many of us could easily just, um, we'll just start with one person. Just start with one person. I mean, you can do more if you want extra credit, but just do one person, question number one. Um, who is it that you need to let off the hook? Who is it that you need to let off the hook? And many of you, that name came to you while we talked today. 
write their name down on the hook. You might even be honest with yourself and hang them on the hook. It's okay. That's where they are right now. That's the real thing. And then the next question on the other side of your card, and this is an important one, what is one concrete step that you can take this week towards letting that person off the hook? One concrete step. Is it, is it you know, a phone call? Is it a face-to-face meeting? Is it a letter that you need to send? Don't get into an email back and forth thing. Is it a letter you need to send? If it's somebody who's not safe to be around um, or that they've passed away, then can you take that step, that concrete step, will you take it in your prayer time this week and with a friend? Or maybe is it finally time to call the counselor? What's the step for you? Write that step down for real. And seeing it in front of you, I promise you, because I'm doing this too, seeing it written down, you don't let yourself off the hook in an unhealthy way. <laughs> you go, I know I need to do that. That'd be the way to freedom. Friends, I know this is hard work to do. It's hard for me. It's hard for all of us. But this is the stuff that brings transformation to us. This changes our day-to-day lives, our relationships with our kids or our spouse or our friends or in our job. This is the kind of stuff that changes every part of how we live and helps us get unstuck. You might not even be able to imagine what it would be like to be free of that thing that you rightly put them on the hook for. But friends, freedom is possible. Because of the cross of Jesus, freedom is possible. And and I'll just show you what I've been doing all week, right? I've been (laughs) taking my hook and note card. When I realized I'm mad about that thing again, I honestly, okay, I hang him back on the hook. And then I say, okay, Jesus, forgive, I forgive, help me to forgive. And I take them off the hook as a reminder of what it looks like to forgive. And I've had to put them on and off. I've had to have some new pieces of paper. (laughs) But all of this, this week, I want you to put that hook somewhere where you're going to see it this week, every day where you will see it. Because if you're like me, you're going to need to do this work maybe on a daily basis or at least a few times this week. For you and I to forgive others as we've been forgiven by God, we're going to need to ask for his help. And sometimes that reminder of seeing it is just enough memory jog to get us to give it to him again and again. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, you've been so, so good to us so good to us. You've forgiven us, you've cleansed us, you've called us your own, and in every place where we struggle to forgive, will you flood us with the reminders of your goodness, your faithfulness, your love for us? Will you help us remember the grace that you so freely gave to us? Could we taste all over again the goodness and grace that you gave to us? Thank you, God that you are merciful, gracious, and compassionate. I ask that you would fill us so that we will trust you in walking this out with you. In Jesus' name.